0: Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from OTRgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Now for our story. This morning in Ben Calvert's luxurious home in Wakefield, an unusual scene was taking place. David Bowman confronted his brother-in-law, Ben Calvert. Even in a town as small as Wakefield, it was possible for the two men to avoid each other. Their meetings were rare, for they disliked each other intensely. But this morning, Aunt Mary had gone to see David, had told him of the telephone call Bill Meade had received from Miami. Kit Calvert was there, seriously ill after a mental breakdown. And her father, Ben Calvert, had refused to offer her any help, although the doctor recommended that she be brought back to Wakefield and placed under a psychiatrist's care. Shocked at Ben's negligence toward his daughter, David went to see him. Well, now, after warning David that his errand will probably be a failure, Jesse Calvert has gone upstairs to tell Ben his brother-in-law wishes to speak to him. And a few minutes later... Good morning, David.
1: Good
2: morning. Isn't this rather an ungodly hour to be calling on people?
1: I suppose it is, Ben, but I felt that the business at hand was too important to be delayed.
2: Jesse told me why you came. Don't do you any good. Ben, we've got to talk this thing over. Now, look here. Kit is my daughter. What I do or do not do concerning her is entirely my own affair. No, Ben. That's where you're wrong. You're such an infernal busybody. What makes you think you can come in here and tell me how to run things?
1: Kit is my niece as well as your daughter. Remember that. Remember that Kit's mother was my sister. I wasn't able to protect her from your selfishness, but I'm not going to stand by and let your selfishness also ruin Kit.
2: You come around here pulling this holier-than-thou attitude about my treatment of Kit. What did you ever do for that girl?
1: Unfortunately, I've never been able to establish a common ground for understanding with Kit. I admit it. The damage was done before I ever had an opportunity. Damage?
2: What damage? I gave that girl everything. Everything she could possibly want ever since she was a baby. Everything. Everything
1: but security,
2: love, understanding? Rot. Kit's had her chance. When she came back here from California with that child, the child she tricked me into thinking was her own, I couldn't do enough for her. I fixed that apartment. I got the best nurse, the best equipment, money could buy. I showered her with everything she could possibly want. And look at the thanks I got.
1: You keep talking about the material things, the things you bought her.
2: Well, aren't those indications of a man's feelings?
1: Ben, I think that's the most revealing statement I've ever heard you make. It's that attitude of yours that's the very basis for what happened to your daughter. I don't know what you're talking about. It's the very foundation of your philosophy. You don't know the first thing about love, affection, a father's love for his child. You sent Kit to the best schools, yes. You gave her a large allowance.
2: And that was your idea of taking care of her. It looks to me as if you're sticking your neck out, David. You, a double-dyed bachelor. You come around here and talk to me about fatherly love. How do you know what Kits made me suffer? Tricking me as she did, making me a fool, disgracing me in this town.
1: Naturally, you'd fasten on that to justify yourself, Ben. You're a
2: doddering sentimentalist, David Bowman. Always have been.
1: Perhaps I am. But there's no point in our going in for a lot of recrimination. I believe we know how we stand with each other, Ben. The only reason I forced myself to come here to talk to you was that I felt your attitude
2: in this thing was, well, inexcusable. So, you're going to put me in my place, eh, David? Show me the light. Well, believe me, if Kit's in trouble, it's on her own head. But
1: good heavens, Ben, she's ill. She's had a
2: mental breakdown.
1: You should know what that means.
2: How do I know she's really ill? This Paul Cromwell's not too honorable a person from what I know of him. May have cooked up the story.
1: Ben, you don't really believe Kit's illness is false, do you? You couldn't. If it were, why would this Paul Cromwell have telephoned
2: Bill Mead? What good would that do? I don't know, and it's foolish to talk about it. The point is, whether she's ill or not, I refuse to let her take me for a ride again. I've had my fill. Let Cromwell look after her. You'd you'd leave your own daughter's care to a stranger? Why not? She went running to him, didn't she? Yes, And why? Because she'd lied, cheated, and deceived me, that's why. Now you come around with a long face and try to put me in the situation of being a hard-hearted father. It's true, Kit has made mistakes, bad ones. But can you honestly say to
1: yourself that you're not as much to blame for those mistakes as she is?
2: I certainly can, and I do. You're a stubborn, selfish man. I'm a man who won't be used, David. Imposed upon forever. I should think that even you could hardly expect me to. But you're as bad as Mary Lane. Always butting in where it's none of your business. Ben, Yes, no... you two make a fine pair. If it hadn't been for them, Mary Lane and her gang, and Bill Mead... So Cromwell called Bill Mead, did he? Yeah, that ought to put a spoke in Bill's wheel. Ben, I've
1: known you to do a lot of greedy, selfish things in your life. But this tops everything.
2: I'm getting very tired of this. You and your righteousness. Trying to tell me how to handle my own affairs. You've got a lot of gall. You've never lifted a finger so far as Kit was concerned.
1: I tried to. I did my level best to. But because of her early life, the way she'd been raised, she had created a... A protective layer. A defense against genuine emotion. A
2: defense against society and her responsibility towards it. And you're implying this protective layer was because of me. Is that what you're driving at? Yes, Ben. David, I don't intend to get mixed up in Kit's affairs again. That's final. I see. So you might as well go, David.
1: Cromwell's not going to do any more for Kit. Have you thought of what would happen... I said it was final, David. You better go. All right, Ben.
2: I'll go. where's David, then? Did he go? Yes, Jesse. He went all right.
3: Well, I certainly was surprised to see him here.
2: Well, he won't be back in a hurry, I can tell you that.
3: You sound rather put out, then.
2: I am. There's one man in this world who irritates me. It's David.
3: I gather that he didn't approve of your attitude toward Kit.
2: I told him off. I told him that he had a nerve criticizing the way I handle my affairs. What does he know about it? the way Kit's behaved toward me.
3: Well, he certainly ought to. He was there at the trial, for one thing. He knows what a laughingstock Kit made of you. The whole town thinking you were in with her on taking that poor Mrs. Fenner's child and passing it off as her own?
2: Yes. Can you imagine? He blames all that on me. On you? Yes. Says I didn't raise Kit properly. Oh, Ben, what nonsense. That's what I told him. If ever a girl had every advantage money could buy, Kit did.
3: If he had any sense at all, David ought to realize that. I notice he isn't doing anything for his niece.
2: You bet your booty isn't.
3: Oh, well, Ben, don't let it bother you. Nobody could know how Kit's made you suffer. Not unless they have been right here in this house. I know because I was here. I saw what went on.
2: That's right, Jessie. You know what I tried to do for her.
3: No father could have done any more, Ben. You haven't a thing to reproach yourself with, believe me.
2: Jesse, we've had our troubles, our misunderstandings in the past. But I'm beginning to realize how much I underrated you. And Jesse, my girl, you know how I am. I believe in showing my appreciation in a substantial way.
3: Oh, Ben, it's your happiness I'm concerned with. That's the only thing that matters to me. Uh, Ben, about David... Do you think he's going to do anything about Kit?
2: I doubt it. He never has done anything for her. <coughs> Except give advice. He's excellent at that. Talk is cheap. If he had any intention of doing anything, of making himself responsible for Kit, why would he have come to see me in the first place?
3: Yes, that's true.
2: No, Jesse. David's specialty is moralizing to others. To me, in particular. But so far as any practical action goes?
0: No, Jesse. I don't. Jesse Calvert was relieved. More than anything else, Jesse feared Kit's return, and a possible return to her father's good graces. For Jesse was determined to win Ben away from Kit to such a point that he would legally disown his daughter. Now, she was thinking, it appeared that this goal was in sight. But what you don't know, Jesse, is that Aunt Mary Lane is quite concerned about Kit Calvert, knowing the girl to be in need of help and David Bowman, Kit's uncle. Yes, Jesse, you may find obstacles you don't expect.